The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. We have, we have prayed a lot in the church service already, and that's a good thing. So we're going to pray some more. So pray with me, please. We do need you, Father, to show yourself. We need you to act, to reveal the glory of Christ, to reveal something of who you are and who we are to be. And we ask you to do that because I am just a human being with a human voice and we only have printed words and a book in front of us. And those things in themselves are powerless. You have power. You can open the book for us and cause your word that is in it to be life. This book is the word of God. This book tells us of you and it is marvelous, but we need you to open it. And I am most particularly aware of that now as I encounter my, my feeble efforts and my feeble thinking and words. And so we ask you to reveal Christ, to reveal us even, and to produce change in us. And as has been prayed already this morning, Lord, and as we'll see as we read this, of particular concern in this passage, you have particular concern that the church be built. And so would you accomplish that? Would you build us and would you build in us a desire to be builders? So do that this morning, Lord, I ask you. Spirit of God, would you move here in this room and open the text in front of us. Change some of our thinking, perhaps. Maybe convict us. Maybe encourage us. Do the work needed in each individual heart here. Have your way with us, I ask you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we return to the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm picking up where we left off a number of weeks ago. When we were last in this book, we just finished chapter 13, the chapter that's the so-called love chapter of the Bible. And we'd noticed that it sits in a particular context. It doesn't sit in a context of romance or marriage which is how we often hear it and and perhaps what we expect, but rather it sits in the context of a discussion about spiritual gifts, a great thing that God has done to bless His people. Chapter 12, we had seen there are a couple different places where He lists out different grace gifts, things of grace, that God sovereignly puts into each individual Christian. A wonderful thing. He lists some of them out there, talks about them, affirms them, and then in the very last verse of chapter 12 points out that some of them are what he calls higher gifts. We should desire all the gifts, particularly the higher gifts. And as soon as you say that some gifts are more important than others, he knows he's opening himself up to human pride and arrogance. So he takes the context, he takes that chance right there to, to speak about the more excellent way of love chapter 13, and we covered that over a number of weeks. This morning we pick up where we left off some time back, back in chapter 14, verse 1, in which he references chapter 13's discussion of love, but picks up again with the discussion of the spiritual gifts, encouraging us, very similarly to how he did in chapter 12, to pursue certain gifts over and against other ones. So we're going to look at that this morning, picking up there, looking at, this, at the gifts. But we're also going to do this with a little bit of an eye towards what I talked about last week in Psalm 2. As we'll see here, one of his, his greatest emphases here this morning is the building up of the church. And you'll recall from last week in, in Psalm 2, God's great purpose 
What God is about in, in the big picture, look up like this, in the big picture, is to give all of the nations to His Son. To bring all of the peoples of the earth under the reign of His Son for their good and for the glory of His Son. Big picture. And one of the great ways that He does that is, looking down here, by shaping and forming and correcting and building local churches. And the point I made last week is that we, we miss this sometimes if we're in 1 Corinthians over and over and over and over again because so much of 1 Corinthians is about this. How individual Christians are to address their own hearts and how individual Christians are to interact with other Christians and, and how we are to use our gifts for building up the church. We must not lose track of the church built up for the sake of the glory of Christ on in all the nations. So we're coming back this morning to this, but let's not lose the big context. God works through churches. It's His plan. There is no plan B. He works through churches, speaking out of the mouths of Christians, the message about Christ. So churches need to be whole and right and full. Part of what He does to to create that is He gives spiritual gifts. Coming to that in chapter 14. As we do, if you're at all aware of what's in this chapter, you know that we're going to come to prophecy and tongues. Two gifts that he's mentioned in chapter 12, in the list that he's given there. And he's given hints throughout that he's going to have to come back to them because they were a problem in Corinth. Probably because these two gifts, the, the very nature of the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues, that they are kind of public and can lend towards... Um, a public expression that couldn't be kind of showy. Probably because of that, two groups had developed in Corinth that were kind of at each other over these gifts, and Paul wants to address them. He's going to come to prophecy in tongues. And we'll be, we'll be dealing with it a little bit this week, and then in ongoing weeks, we'll, there's, a, there's quite a bit here in chapter 14 that touches on those two things. But as we do that, we need to observe a couple of things about kind of the landscape of this. We often come to a chapter like this with questions in our mind that were not questions in Corinth. We, we come asking, for instance, are tongues still a legitimate gift for today? And Paul in Corinth would say, well, of course. Naturally, we're not talking about that. We're talking about how they relate to prophecy, but naturally tongues and prophecy, sure, yes, they're, they're going on all the time. So we come with a question that's not being asked exactly there. Or we come wondering, how does Christian prophecy and Christian tongues relate to what's called tongues and what's called prophecy in other religions? Because all kinds of religions and all kinds of cultures claim to have revelations from God and, and experience display the phenomenon of of what we would call tongues. How does that relate? And they're not answering that question either. What about fraud? Because, of course, we know all kinds of people have faked all kinds of stuff in this area. And they're not asking that either. The assumption is that what's going on in Corinth in tongues and prophecy is legitimate and real and Christian. And the question he's addressing is, how do they relate to each other? And really, how does this relate to my most important issue, the building of the church? So, I'm going to touch on, and I, and I will because I need to, I'm going to, part of the sermon today will be kind of fleshing out, kind of painting a picture of what prophecy in tongues is. But I, I'm very certain that there will be legions of questions that I'm not going to address at all, and you're going to wonder. And there are plenty of books written about them, and I can point you in some of the directions if you like. But I'm going to touch on prophecy in tongues as I need to, focusing on this passage. And really, we're going to talk about Paul's main issue, building the church. So, if you disagree with some of the things I say today, my encouragement will be, what does the Bible say about it? And I will not fight with you over it. I know I'm talking to people who have different opinions about these things. I will not fight with you over that. We are one body. And part of the exhortation in this passage is that one body, whether you speak in tongues or in prophecy, you are one body. We're one body. If you disagree, okay. 
I'll be most eager to see where it comes from in the Bible. That's some of where we're going this morning. Let me read the passage. And I think what will come out of this this morning, what I'm going to unpack then in, in a, couple of, a couple of observations afterwards, is this main point. Christians should embrace all of the gifts. And most especially those that address the mind so as to build up the body. Christians should embrace all of the gifts and most especially those that address the mind so as to build the body. That's the point that I think rises out of this passage. Let me read it now. 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 19. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless... I come and bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves. If with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, But my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. 1 Corinthians 14. Here's my first observation. I'm going to make two, basically breaking apart that main point. Christians should be eager for every manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, we should embrace all of the spiritual gifts. All of them. In all ways, some in particular, as we'll see. Start in verse 1. He commands, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Which is something he said at the very end of chapter 12. Earnestly desire All of the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are grace gifts, things of grace from God. And if God, think about this, brothers and sisters, if God gives something, a gift of grace, we should say thank you. Because it is good. When God pours out onto us grace, we should receive it. All of it. Do you realize, and I'm, I'm poking at probably one particular half of us here, do you realize that he actually expects 
us to desire all of the gifts. Not meaning that any particular person can have every single gift. That would be impossible. That we could all have everything. That's not how it works. Now, there is, obviously there is discussion about how many gifts can any particular Christian receive. And there is also discussion about can, can some gifts be given for an iteration, a moment in time. Maybe some of them are given for a lifetime. Maybe some are given in a period. All those things aside, he's not attempting to say you should want every single thing for yourself. It's not possible. We should want every single thing for us. Maybe in my life, maybe in your life next to me, all the gifts, including tongues, I want you all to speak in tongues. Verse 5, right? All the gifts. Even more prophecy. That included too. And I know right there, I'm confronting something a bit awkward. Because I know most of us here will say, the spiritual gifts, absolutely. I want the spiritual gifts. I recognize that they are, they are God's grace to me. Not those ones, though. Maybe tongues, maybe prophecy, maybe some of the other miracles. Let's not go there. Healing, I'm not so sure. We kind of want to set a category off to the side and say amen and yes about all the other gifts. Let me just ask you, hold off on that. That kind of delineation is not found here. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. The ones that I was just delineating in chapter 12, which includes all of it. Why? Because of what the spiritual gifts are. He says, he says in this verse, chapter, chapter 14, verse 12, and in chapter 12, verse 7, both places he uses this phrase, manifestation of the Spirit. A revealing, a display of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are God the Holy Spirit there, laid out. What a privilege for you that God would lay Himself out, perhaps in your life or maybe in the chair right next to you, in His life or in her life. And that's what all of the spiritual gifts are described. Not some of them manifest the Spirit and some of them don't. They all do. God has so acted to make you His friend, to remove off of you that which, that which made you an enemy, to remove off of you guilt. He has acted to do that and then has not just left you there, but has said, I will now not just forgive you of your sin at the cross, but I will deliver myself to you, manifest myself to you, the Holy Spirit. That is an awesome thing. And we should think about that when we are tempted to say, not in those ways. I don't want them. These I'm okay with. Not them. Frankly, it's not our place to decide. If he has created a smorgasbord of gifts, we must receive them. All of them. Before we go any further, let me explain what it is that I'm talking about. Because I know, as I'm saying this, in the back of a number of minds, there are some questions. So let me explain what I'm talking about. Prophecy in tongues. Tongues first. Tongues, as, as the word implies, tongues is use an utterance. Something that comes out of the mouth. It's some sort of, of communication. Something comes out there and in a Christian context, and in, a, in Paul's Corinthian context, we are, we're setting aside all kinds of fraudulent expressions, although we should acknowledge that, and certainly it's out there in the world. But Paul's talking about an utterance that is given from God to Christians. And if you look at the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, it is beyond any question 
that this is an utterance of a known human language. Acts chapter 2, it's beyond any question that the, the early church there, the very small early church, the Spirit of God comes and gives the gift of tongues and people from all kinds of different countries are amazed that they hear the glory of God spoken of in their own language. That's beyond question in Acts 2. And as you read then through the book of Acts, take chapters 10 and 11 where Peter encounters Cornelius and then explains what happened. I, do, I, I was, yeah, sure, he's, he's, a, he's a Gentile, I know, but I was talking to him and I'm telling you, the Spirit fell on him and them as it did on us at the beginning. It seems that he's saying the same sort of things. So it seems that tongues throughout the book of Acts is an expression of known human languages. But that is not what's going on in Corinth. Look at this. In Acts, it is expressly, I am uttering something given by God. I'm uttering something to another person. And he and she hears it in their own language. Chapter 14, verse 2. The one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. That is quite different than what's going on in the book of Acts. Expressly in the book of Acts, I'm speaking to another person and God has given me a unique ability to talk to him. And expressly in here, 14 verse 2, I'm not speaking to you. And frankly, that's the whole problem throughout the whole section is that you can't understand what I'm saying. I can't even understand what I'm saying in Corinthians. We've got two different things going on. Two different expressions of this gift of utterances. Verses 7 and 8, the gift of tongues that's coming out of my mouth is, this is Paul poking at this, it's actually sounding like indistinct musical notes, and no one can make heads or tail of it. It is unintelligible, uses that word. It's not intelligible communication, verse 9. It's unintelligible even to me, the one praying it, verses 13 to 17. What would improve my communication is if I could actually interpret it. And then I would not just be praying with my spirit, but I also would be thinking about it. There'd be something in my mind. There is something here going on in Corinth just straight up assumed and agreed with, rendered okay. Paul even affirms, I myself speak in tongues a whole bunch. There's something going on here that is not me talking to another person in a language the other person can understand. Tongues. Now, in an attempt to equally offend everybody, <laughs> let me point something out. Let me point out something to those who speak in tongues. This is not a very encouraging passage. There are many verses that say, granted, I wish that everyone spoke in tongues, verse 5. Granted, I speak in tongues a whole bunch, and I'm perfectly happy with that. Granted, last verse, verse 39 of the chapter, earnestly desire to prophesy, do not forbid speaking in tongues. Granted, However, the burden of this all is, but this is of very little value. And those of us who speak in tongues should read this and keep it in mind. And those of us who don't speak in tongues should read this and keep in mind the other statements. I wish you all did it, however. And I, the apostle, do it. And we must not forbid it. 
What's going on there? Well, I think what we have in tongues is some sort of, as Paul does say, there's some sort of building up of myself. Verse 4, there is something helpful. Something small, but helpful. I've never spoken in tongues. I've never experienced whatever that helpfulness is myself. But as I talk to others and as I read about it, I'm trying to put things together. What, I, what I'm guessing is that there is some sort of, and maybe somebody can correct me or can add to this later, that there's some sort of, of a sense of an intimacy. Because it does say, I am speaking mysteries to God. There's some sort of a communication there. That even if I'm not processing it through my mind, I'm connecting to Him in some way. And there's some sense of, I'll say, a feeling, an emotional intimacy. Maybe I'm off on that, and somebody can correct that later. But I'm trying to point out, there is some benefit, but it is some benefit. Contrasted with prophecy, that is clearly, in Paul's expression again and again, far more desirable. Why? Well, because it is the opposite. Whereas tongues, he says, doesn't speak to people. Prophecy, verse 3, does speak to people. And here we have the closest thing to a definition. It speaks to people, this is verse 3, for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So prophecy is expressly a human being speaking to another human being, a message from God that serves to build up, console, and encourage. And particularly in this context, talking about the church. Prophecy does deliver a helpful message from God that is intelligible. In other words, it's, it's able to be understood And it comes from God through me to another person. And we should receive it. All of the spiritual gifts, and even in particular prophecy, he's emphasizing here. Now, we have to right off say that as soon as I say a human message spoken from God, a bunch of red flags go up in our minds. And some of it rightly so. Because while he's not facing the issues that we're facing here here in Corinth, we do face all kinds of stuff out there that says, I'm going to speak a message from God to you. Here it is. Well, hold on a second. We've seen all kinds of manipulation in that that regard, haven't we? In churches and in other religions. We've seen faked gifts and misused gifts and pretended experiencing of God and, and a speaking of an authoritative message that, that's false or, or harmful or damaging. There are all kinds of problems out there. But we should realize something. If we keep reading chapter 14, as we will in coming weeks, the same God who has given this gift has also given safeguards keep us from the, if we follow them, keep us from the greatest dangers and put us, I would argue, put us in the same place where we we sit with the danger of all the other gifts being exploited. Think about the gift of teaching. I doubt any of us would question, is the gift of teaching a legitimate gift? But have we not all known people who have taught poorly, who have taught for purposes of manipulation, who have taught in pride, who have taught in error? Of course we have. And how we deal with that is not to say that gift is invalid. How we deal with that is we go to the Bible and we say, now hold on a second, you're saying you're this, really? Let me look at that. Let's evaluate it. Same thing. We keep reading, we're going to find out the gift of tongues isn't even supposed to be public without an interpreter. And if there is an interpreter of the gift of tongues, it comes into the same category as the gift of prophecy and is to be, as we will find, subject to the mind of the prophet, him or herself, subject to the authority of the elders in the church, subject to the authority of the written Word of God. Very different than an Old Testament prophet. The posture of prophets in the two Testaments are very different. An Old Testament prophet, think of Isaiah 
thus saith the Lord. And your response is yes and amen. New Testament prophet. The posture developed here. I have something to say from God. You evaluate it and see if it's true. Oh, oh, several have already spoken and we're out of time. Okay, it can wait. That's a totally different posture. It reveals that a New Testament prophet, though speaking something from God, is submitted to other uh, biblically established safeguards, namely the Scriptures and the authority of a church. If we consider that, we have a whole lot less to be afraid of. And I think that's some of what drives our hesitancy in the spiritual gifts, fear. Because we've seen it go really, really bad. We are to receive all of the spiritual gifts properly guarded. I was just indicating properly guarded. We are to receive all of them. And in Corinth, there was a an animosity between these two categories of gifts that probably for most of us, they are in the same category, along with maybe miracles and healings. And our divide is not between prophets and tongue speakers. Our divide is between what we call charismatics and non-charismatics. We are more inclined to to divide in those ways and say either from the non-charismatic side, you, you people are illegitimately attempting or claiming to speak for God separate from the Bible. Or from the charismatic side to say, you people are not open enough to God, are not spiritual enough. He wants to speak and you want to say, no. Neither one of those is appropriate in one body of Christ. We are to receive all of the gifts and expect that the Scriptures would reign over everything. To expect that the Scriptures established authority in a church, elders, would reign with the Bible over everything that happens. And if we do that, we end up, I think, we can end up functioning as one community that operates in the more excellent way of love and receives the manifestation of the Spirit in a variety of different ways for our good as He intends to communicate with us. The Evangelical Free Church, the ethos of the Evangelical Free Church is that we are not a charismatic church, nor are we an anti-charismatic church. We can live there. Not being a charismatic church that says this is necessary that we, that we be some massively expressive and that we teach and, and major on these things. And we can not be an anti-charismatic church that says it's all wrong. We are to receive all of the spiritual gifts, all of the manifestations of God Himself as He chooses in our midst. I haven't addressed, only in passing I suppose, have any of the gifts ceased. You catch my drift. I don't think they have. The so Chapter 13, chapter 13 clearly does not teach they have. I don't think anywhere in the Bible teaches they have. And I think that the examination of history that some have used to show that they have is not reliable. That's where you are. I don't want to pick a fight with you on that. I just want to say, I don't think there's as much evidence that the gifts have ceased as you think there is. Paul assumes they are present. And he tells us we should receive them all and value them all, particularly the gift of prophecy, because of what it does. And that leads us to the second point, really the main point. The manifestations of the Spirit aren't the goal. The building up of the church by means of God's Word is. 
The second point here is that the manifestation of the Spirit in and of itself is not the goal. It's what that accomplishes. That's the goal. The building up of the church by means of God's Word. That's clearly what he's after. Not simply an an emotional sense of intimacy, but something that runs through a church that connects to the mind in the church, builds that mind and therefore builds the church. That's the main goal, building up. And clearly, that's his, that's his issue. He uses this, this word for building up six times throughout this section and, and then in following verses also that we didn't cover. Paul's main, main deal here is that he, he conveyed to the church the building up of the church is the goal. That's what separates tongues from prophecy. Tongues, at best, builds oneself up a little bit. Prophecy builds the whole church. That's why we should desire it and similar gifts. Upbuilding, verse 12. Strive to excel in that, he commands. Verse 17. That upbuilding of the church is unfortunately what's lacking. Building up is what he's after. God wants that. And and think about it. There is something... Think think as a parent. And if you're not a parent, try to think as a parent. A parent has kids. And one of your great goals for your kids, beyond that that they, they just physically grow up one of your great goals for your children is that they excel that that they become something so that that they step out into a world and they aren't the bottom scrapers man I, i had a kid my kid grew up and you know managed to stay alive until he didn't Man, that was good. Nobody thinks like that. You, you, you have a kid and you think, my son, daughter, I've been praying for you that you would have a marriage that is excellent, that you would have a job that is significant, that contributes to God's purposes here in the world, and that you are used. I, I think of sons. If, I don't have a son, but if I had a son, I, I think of, I think of the, the idea of a sword for a son. I would want a son to be a sword that would go out as a, as a weapon in God's hand in the world to excel, to be something. I have daughters, so I think of daughters as married to swords. <laughs> I, I'm honest. honest. Connected to last week, talking about praying that your kids would, would go out into the nations. I think of my daughters, and I pray for my daughters as married to those who are going out to the nations. You want that for your children. And if you didn't, somebody would look at you and say, boy, you know, aim low, way to go, you know. (laughs) God looks at his people, his children that he has birthed all by his own initiative, all by his own action and says, thank goodness you're saved, that's good enough. No, he doesn't say that. He wants, he wants you, he wants his people to excel, to become swords. He's got a mission and a, a purpose to give what? To give the nations to his son. How? Through you. But you weren't reborn capable. He's got to make you something. And so he manifests his spirit in you and in the person in the chair next to you to make you something, to build you, to mature you, so that you can be honed, forged, whatever word you want to use there. Remember that old, this is coming to my mind, I'm dating myself here. There was an old Marine Corps commercial that most of the imagery was of a blacksmith making a sword. Hammering it, firing it, hammering it, firing it, hammering it, firing it. That's how you temper steel. 
build it up, we might say. If it doesn't get tempered, it's worthless. It might look like a sword, it'll shatter in battle. God is about not just saving you, but building you and us for His greater purpose. And do not think that that is just some manipulative event that He wants to use me, so He's going to use me. It's for your good too. It is His blessing on your life. Think of the kid again who who grows up to become a sword or who grows up to manage to just barely get by in life until he doesn't. Which one of those kids is blessed? The one who excels and strives and lives out there. He wants that for you and he is accomplishing that by working by His Spirit, His his sovereign decision to to intervene in your life and, and manifest the Spirit in you and the person next to you to build you up. For His purposes, His love to you. But to understand this and understand how prophecy works into this, we have to ask, how is it that we are built up? And what comes out of this passage and out of the rest of the Bible is something very important. We are not built up just by a kind of a warm, fuzzy hugging. We are not built up by a sense of community or by a sense of love or by... We are built up as the truth comes to our minds and transforms us as we are renewed. Look where this is in this passage. Verse 6. So he's got this prophecy versus tongues thing going on, right? Verse 6. He's talking about that. Got these gifts in Corinth. Making the point about prophecy. But then he adds in a few other gifts too. It's not just tongues versus prophecy. It's tongues versus prophecy. And also revelation. And also knowledge. And also teaching. On two different sides of the ledger we have tongues and prophecy and other things that do something similar over here. What's the thing in common? Unintelligible, intelligible. That's the thing in common. He goes right into the next following verses. The tongues is going to be just like a hard-to-tell note from an instrument, and nobody's going to be rallied to battle, and nobody's going to identify the tune. Not even me, myself, the speaker. 13 and following. You know, it would improve that is if it could be made to make sense to my mind and not just my spirit. It's, it's good and well that you pray with your spirit. It would be better to pray with your mind. It's good and well that you give thanks to your spirit. It would be better to give thanks with your mind. In fact, I speak a lot in tongues, but I would rather speak five words with my mind that instruct than 10,000 words in tongues. Because what builds up the church are words spoken to my mind that I think about and that God the Spirit uses to change me here and then out of the inner person flows my life. That's why prophecy and gifts like it, gifts of knowledge, Gifts of teaching are superior to the gift of tongues. God has so fashioned us that we grow, that we are shaped, we are transformed, built, as our minds are renewed. That's Romans 12. Look it up. And that comes as God speaks in a way that I can understand and think through. Now everything I hear, everything you sit there and you hear me talking, everything that you hear from a human being needs to be weighed against this and weighed with other people who will help you understand this. Teaching, knowledge, prophecy. It all needs to be weighed, but we must be careful in our desire to protect the Bible that we not misunderstand something. The Bible is foundational to the gifts, but in an attempt to 
protect the Bible, sometimes we want to eliminate some of the gifts. Don't, don't do that. Just keep the Bible at the foundation. And be open to if God would speak through a prophet. Let me close by talking a little bit about how this has worked in my life. I have, I, I think, said things to people in conversation, perhaps in preaching. I do not want to equate all of preaching to prophecy, although I think prophecy can happen in preaching. I think I've said things in, in preaching moments that some people have been struck by as something prophetic, perhaps. But I don't know about what I've given out. I do know about what I've received. There have been two different people in my life that I think have exercised the gift of prophecy to me. One, after I knew this person for a little while. One, in the first three minutes that I met him. Now, to paint a little bit of the picture, both of these individuals were people that, as I got to know them, clearly loved the Lord, clearly wanted to walk humbly with Him. So, no qualms with that. And also, both of these people, as I got to know them, I found, were not exceptionally strong in breaking down a passage of the Bible and explaining what's taught there. So I would be remiss if I said I'm going to follow and take and swallow hook, line, sinker everything they say. But I also want to point out that I did take something that they said because both of them, obviously different people in different situations, said things to me. I can't describe it any other way other than that I went, Huh. I've been convicted in a lot of sermons. I've read a lot of books. I've had conversations with people who have called me on things and have poked me in areas. I mean, I've been a Christian for a while. I've I've experienced my own sinfulness being exposed. But these two times, all I can say, different. Something about the, the immediacy, the, the, the piercing of it. It was as if God were, were coming and saying, I have something to say to you. And it was extremely helpful and liberating. Biblical, although not quite. Because you'd never find it on a page of the Bible, but you'd find it on every page of the Bible. To explain a little bit about what I mean, one person, the thing that they said to me, this is the, one, the first three minutes I met this person, says, so your reputation is thus and so. Let me tell you what that's going to mean for you for the rest of your life. And it said three things. Huh. I can see that. And I couldn't get it off my mind for a day or two. It was just that sort of a... And then it was over. So, you know, I, I, I hesitate to, sh- to share that a little bit because there could be a whole bunch of things that were going on and, and a skeptic will say, yeah, but this and that and the other. Okay, fine, okay, great, you know. Uh, by no means, I have a whole lot staked on proving that that was prophecy. But I think it was. And I want to point out it's happened to me twice and it's only happened to me twice. Take that for what it's worth. But it seemed to me that in those moments God was drawing near to me to speak very clearly to me. Something that did not skip my mind but went right into it and made me think and think and think and think and think. And that built me up. It worked a little for my consolation, 
a little for my encouragement to pursue one path and not pursue others. And I left those conversations, particularly the one I'm talking about, with a feeling of God was near in that. And I'm not sure if that guy even understands all of it. But I do. Maybe God would speak like that to you. If something like that happens, let me encourage you, bolt yourself to your Bible. And let me also encourage you, listen and think it through with the Bible. Don't dismiss it out of hand. And don't think it through without your Bible. We are to desire all of the gifts, but particularly those gifts of God, those manifestations of God that speak to our minds for the upbuilding of the body. This is the manifestation of the Spirit that we need. And that is His good grace to us. Let me pray. Lord, would You cause this to settle, to rest on us in the right way? I know that I speak to a bunch of people in a bunch of different places. Spirit of God, would You cause this to settle in the right way on each of their minds? Renew their minds in how they think. Cause what I have said in their minds to be submitted to the Word of God. Your Word is supreme over our lives. We thank You for it. We thank You for Your Spirit's presence among us and Your desire to build us up. And I pray, Lord, have Your way among us. Have Your way with us here in this church. You're so good and so kind. I say thank you. Pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.